0: We've got Hercules, right? Strongest man on the planet. Um, But even more so, one of my favorite actors from a movie called God's Not Dead, Kevin Sorbo.
1: Listen in as celebrities and amazing people share how they use their influence to change the world. Dive into their stories and discover their passion to keep living a legacy.
0: We've got Hercules, right? Strongest man on the planet. Um, But even more so, one of my favorite actors from a movie called God's Not Dead, Kevin Sorbo. Kevin, welcome to the show.
2: Welcome, but I got better ones. I got Let There Be Light, and I got What If and Soul Surfer, because I'm going to throw those in the batch too, buddy.
3: Okay, that's right. And we got a new one we're going to
2: talk
0: about today that looks really cool. I'm excited, man.
2: Yeah. The girl believed in miracles. We had a great time. We shot in Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I'm filming another movie right now. Actually it's called, it's the Reagan movie with Dennis Quaid. So
0: Guthrie's turned into a little hotbed for filming movies. That's great. And, and, you know, it's amazing to see, uh, you know, the people that you've enjoyed in movies over the years, right. To find out about their faith and to see movies of faith coming through that, that, that we can get behind and cheer, right? I, I want to cheer for a lot of movies, but you know, a story when some of them came out, they were like, yeah, they weren't quite. And and that's where you know, for me and and, and many, many others, you know, God's not dead, it just really came to life, um and and brought really the whole country, and and it's it's the, the way movies are going now, and, and we're bringing in people that hey, I hadn't heard of some of the ones originally years and years ago. Um, but like I know Kevin Silver, I know. Um, you know, Mr. Quaid. And it's like, man, this is really cool to kind of bring things together and go, I didn't know that guy was a believer. I didn't know. I didn't know this. And and this is a really good storyline. And it's got an amazing message. Uh, So it's, you know, it's exciting times.
2: Yeah, it is exciting times. Yeah. I mean, you look at everything that's going on in the world right now and the people are looking for answers. People are tired of all the hate and the anger and divisiveness yeah. and the fear. I mean, the fear that's out in the world right now with this pandemic, perpetuated by the mainstream media and these. Absolutely. And, and everybody's like afraid to look at each other. I mean, I go into the grocery stores here in, in Florida. I don't wear a mask. People look at me like I'm the walking dead. They just run, run away. <laughs> and that's what's going on with, 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 uh, with, the, uh, with the mainstream media. And I'm, I'm oh. telling people, you know, have some faith. Have some faith that we're going to survive this. We've survived pandemics before. We're always around different viruses and different things. We need to band together. We need to get rid of, like I said earlier, the anger and the hatred out there. We need to get right. we need to have as much passion as they do on that side, on our side, without the anger, without the destruction. Right. We need we need to we need to go after people with with faith and hope and love and laughter and things that are positive instead of negative because people are looking for that right now. And a movie like this delivers that.
3: Absolutely. absolutely, And Eric, I think that's the thing that makes you excited to interview people like this for living a legacy is that Kevin's living that legacy by, again, going from Hollywood to these types of films that are grossing huge amounts of money, Eric. You know that. And Kevin knows that for a fact. You know, but, absolutely. You know,
2: it's it's interesting because I did a, movie, a little movie called uh, Let There Be Light that Sean Hannity funded and we was in theaters for about. For about four months it did pretty darn well and i got a call from netflix right after opening weekend because we opened number two per screen average against thor ragnarok a 300 million dollar movie right right and sony said hey we want to jump on board of this as well but netflix said we love what you're doing let's give a talk and maybe open an inspirational division here at netflix so i met with netflix three times in the hollywood offices we had great meetings great discussions and i said look there's 80 million households out there that want this kind of product You're called show business why are you ignoring that and it's weird it's it we we we've created something so strange and such a weird divide now between people and their ideologies and things that we're not really we're not really being being really logical about things and i you know like i said there's 80 million households out there i used to get stopped all the time because of hercules and andromeda i get stopped 85 percent of the time now people through airports hotel lobbies and say hey I love what if God's not dead soul surfer. Do you have other movies like that? Please keep writing. We're, we're with you. We're with you. So there's a large audience out there that wants these kind of things. And I've been very blessed the last 10, 11 years to be doing this movies. In fact, I I'm directing the next left behind movie. We start filming in July and really? Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. It's been a long time to get that rope one off the blocks and uh, I'm doing the Reagan movie right now. Dennis Quaid as well. Mm-hmm. I'm as pastor in that movie. And, uh, I've got another movie that um, we're doing that uh, is going to be uh, a faith-based Western called Trailblazers. So I hope, uh, I hope we can keep making these movies because people want them.
0: People do want them. Um, people do want them every day. And, and we're looking for exactly what you talked about, Kevin, right? Which is why Neil and I started the show is there's so much negativity. Yeah. And how do we bring some hope how do we turn off the TV and go back to being with our families? How do we, you know, when we've got it on, get something that encourages us and, and lets us have a conversation. Right. Um, well, I think, tell us about. No, go yeah. ahead. go ahead. Well, just, you know, tell us about, you know, some of the key takeaways that you've had of, of stories that you've heard from people that have watched some of these movies um, and the impact that it's had, you know, conversations families have.
2: You know, what, you know what's interesting? The first time it really hit me was about a year after God's Not Dead came out. Right? My family and I, we were in uh, Salt Lake City. We'd gone for a little ski trip. We were on our way back home. And this woman walks up to me. And she had a beautiful 7, 8-year-old daughter with her. And she said, I wear a heavy accent. She said, are you Kevin Sorbo? And I could tell by the accent. And, you know, it's, it's, her look, I said, she's got to be Middle East. And I said, where are you from? Right. She's originally from Iraq. She goes, but I saw your movie, God's Not Dead. And I was born oh, wow. a Muslim, but I became a Christian because of your movie. Yeah, incredible. And that was the beginning. I get that quite a bit from people now. I think that had, had atheists come up to me and say, you know, dude, friend of mine's a Christian. I wouldn't see your movie or that movie, whatever. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it had a good message. I don't think the way you do. But here's the thing. I like doing movies. My, my, my next movie that's done in the can coming out is called is called Miracle in East Texas. True story set in 1930. It's in the vein of Green Book and Blind Side where the message mm-hmm. is there, but it's not hitting you over the head. I don't want to preach to the choir. I want the choir to support. the Right. Community but you know we're called the harvest right so I'm hoping that movies like this and the girl who believed in, believes in miracles I hope it's a type of movie that makes people stop and think a little bit because we need more love and laughter and and lightness in our in our lives and I, I like to do movies where people can look at the character or any character and say I know someone like that or I'm like that so um that's what uh you know I I, I love doing these movies I call them actors movies because yes. it's not all about visual effects you know, I like well, a good Avengers movie too. But reality is <laughs> yeah. I'll never be a Hercules. You guys know Superman 4. I like to do movies about right. real people in real situations.
0: Well, but you you make a you make a valid point there, and I think that's probably what hit for me big is, you know, um and, and not to keep going back to God's Not Dead, but you know, you you brought the character to life as the professor, you know, as the as the atheist professor. Yeah. And and you portrayed him well, you didn't sugarcoat it, you know, so that the, so that the atheist that's watching it can be like, yeah, that's me. Right. And that's what, that's what theater is about is that people can be that. And, and, you know, you, you need to have that protagonist in the antagonist state that really does fit the character and goes all in for who they are so that it's believable. And I think that's, that was what for me transitioned to go, man, that's why I like this movie is because. That guy's believable. Right. Um, And 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 friends that that don't have the faith can go. Yeah. And that guy's going to win. Right. He's he's won so many times. And then for and and for not to just flip flop and automatically. But but it's like there's this dialogue that gets you there and helps to have that discussion.
2: Well, that's um, it was so well written. I mean, those guys said did such a yeah. love that script, and I know people like that. I, I, I laughed when yeah. you said atheist college professor because I tell people that's redundant. All I have to say is college professor.
3: <laughs> <But anyway. laughs> Absolutely. You know what, Eric? Well, and Eric, I was blown away by the, mo- the movie trailer. So, ca- kind of, yeah. what were your thoughts, Eric? And then go to the question. Well, for Kevin. Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly
0: we're on the same page here. You know, tell me, tell me about I still believe in miracles and, and, um, you know, I watched the, I watched the trailer. I'm not going to take, you know, steal the thunder from, uh, you guys, but it was a really powerful, um, you know, message going on there of just faith. So, so give us a little backstory there.
2: Well, you know, this, this, uh, this a little girl who really believes, you know, she, she hears the message of, uh, the, the power of healing, you know, she, yeah. she learns the message about the faith has that, you know, the the, 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 if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you, which was the original title, you can move them right. out. And this little girl, just she takes that and believes in it uh, all the way through. And things start yeah. happening in her life, even though she's going through a, a life-threatening illness. She's going through a period where she goes, uh, you know, I, I believe this. I believe that this is so true. When she starts praying and things start happening, it's not like she's walking on water. You know, she's not healing uh, you know, somebody who's a, who's a leper or something like that, but things happen in her life and people start questioning what's going on. And I played a doctor that's there to try to help her and heal her. And he's a doctor that's kind of, I don't think he's really an atheist. He's more of an agnostic type of guy. And he just, you know, he's the guy who believes in the science and he doesn't really right. buy into right. it until more and more things happen until the end of the movie and his eyes are open. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, Mira Sorvino's awesome as homie Peter coyote, uh, we, we had a, just a, a really wonderful cast in this, and it was just a fun to be part of it. And uh, it was just easy going. Everybody was just so professional, and there was no, you, you don't get the, a lot of times you get on sets, there's always some sort of uh, friction that goes on between one or two people that can ruin it for everybody else on the set. But this was an easy set to work on, and uh, I hope people see it. I think it opens the weekend of April 2nd, so it's coming up very shortly. So uh,
0: Yeah, uh, Easter please. weekend.
2: Yeah, I encourage people to go check it out and check their local theaters to see where they can see it in
0: their hometown. Great time to have a message—a message about faith and encouragement, man.
3: Yeah. Eric, I can't believe it's a year—a year, a year since, like, I'm thinking this the whole everything since the pandemic and it's hit. But that's just great again for films like this, and I'm looking forward to this Easter for mm-hmm. sure, especially well, to be able to worship compared to last year where it was just really, really tough for all. Yeah, things yeah. you
2: know things are opening up I, I mean like i said i got these four movies lined up and i got speaking events happening again i leave next week for virginia i'm speaking at a pro-life event um what a great place to do it where a governor believes you can kill a baby after birth i'm there to tell this guy he's a bozo and uh so it's gonna be yeah. uh we got a good battle on our hand with these with these people that think killing human beings is okay so i'm a big proponent Agreed. of life
3: all right. Well, that proves he's a living, a legacy for sure. Eric. So yes. that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, you know,
0: Kevin, uh, you know, one thing that this shows about is, is, is called living a legacy, right. Um, yeah. with the idea that, that, you know, we talk with a lot of what's considered celebrities, but celebrities and amazing people, how they use their influence to impact the world around them, which is exactly what you're doing in these movies, which is exactly what you're doing in speaking engagement is using your influence to impact the world. Um, And we're we're grateful that you're doing that. So one of the questions that we love to ask is, you know, when it's all said and done, whether it's whether you're in business with family, faith, whatever, how do you want to be remembered?
2: Uh, Somebody who didn't let fear control their life. Somebody that wasn't afraid to, uh, you know, put, put his hand in the fire and fight back for the things that he knows is right. And uh, I, I'm incredibly grateful, actually, for my very first faith-based movie that I did called What If, the same writers that did "God's Not dead, shot yes. with uh, Dallas Jenkins who's doing The Chosen right now, because that really opened the door for me to really want to be part of uh, the legacy of leaving behind wonderful family movies that yeah. be out there forever and have a positive impact on people instead of a negative one. There's so much anger and hate and violence on movies out there right now. Um, I want to do movies that people can relate to and, uh, and laugh and cry and, uh, cry in a good way cry because they, yeah. they know in their heart, they're being touched and, uh, they're being moved. So, uh, hopefully I can do that for many, many more years down the road.
0: Absolutely.
3: Eric, Absolutely. what a great guest. Uh, Kevin, again, the movie comes out Easter week, right? In April, first week in April. And, uh, you can find information on the movie where Eric, and I mean, Kevin, where, where can we connect with the movie? It's at the theater. It's uh,
2: right. The go to, look, go to, look, go to uh, you know, I, I mean, I need from Monique. I wish we, maybe she can send you the, the um, I, I don't have the website. I, I don't oh, know. That, I'll just, I'll cut
3: it. that out. Don't worry. Just, but I appreciate you coming by. Everyone needs to check out the movie again. And I uh, appreciate Absolutely. you stopping by, Kevin. And thanks right. for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks, thanks for joining for us. a nice weekend, guys. All right. All right, too. Okay, All guys. Right. That was Thank Living you. Legacy. Take care. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another amazing episode of
0: Living a Legacy.
1: Man, sales is tough. I'm just not cut out to be a salesperson. Have you ever felt that way? selling doesn't need to be so difficult. My name is Harry Spate. I'm here to serve and to help you succeed. Join me as we discuss sales made easy.
3: Hi everyone and welcome to this special edition new podcast that on the Neil Haley show and also And it's called Sales Made Easy with author Harry Spate, author of Selling with Dignity. How are you, Harry?
1: I'm doing great. Excited to be here, Neil.
3: Absolutely. And we're going to cover a bunch of different topics. But before, just introduce who you are, why you wrote the book, and then we're going to go into different topics each and every month. It's going to be a segment on The Neil Haley Show, but also our podcast, because we really believe that we want to touch upon what you've written in the book, but really make life Make sales fun. Make it easy, right?
1: I love it. Yeah, so this uh, whole concept of selling is something that we do very naturally. And I think a lot of people get bogged down with ideas and tactics and techniques that they just have to think about and it really throws them off their game. So my feeling is, is that if we're really just good people, I know it's a little more complex than that, but that's the core of it. Is being a good person and treating others well. Thus, you know, the golden rule treat others the way you want to be treated uh, can go a long way in sales. So, I wrote the book with the idea that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there and newer salespeople that just aren't being themselves and are overthinking and they're negative. And I'm saying, look, we can make this a whole lot easier for you. And that's really the goal behind the book.
3: And that's for sure. And so we're going to go into cover topics. And I think for the podcast, we're talking about the word sales made easy. The thing I look at, Harry, is the fact is sales is not difficult as long as you make sure you are doing it for a reason. You're doing it to provide a good, great product or service. If you're not providing a great product or service, maybe you should sell with someone else.
1: Right. Yes, that's true. You've got to believe, right?
3: <laughs> if you don't believe in your product or service, you're selling yeah. or it's your business, then... Harry, success is not going to come very easily for you, is it?
1: No. In fact, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, I've heard like, uh, I'm going to go where the money is. And, you know, if you don't, if you're just going for where the money is, doesn't mean you buy into the product and it's going to come through pretty quickly. So you really have to believe in what you're doing, that you're providing a service for people, I believe in order to truly be successful.
3: All right, so let's jump in our topic today, overcoming sales objections. This is the hardest part. You get on a great sales call, everything's perfect, and then the the, the person you're speaking with says, I got to think about it, or I really have to, I'm not ready, and certain salespeople, a lot of times start to push. How do you overcome sales objections?
1: Well, that's a great question. And that's exactly what happens. You know, the natural tendency might be to say something along the lines is, what do you mean you're not ready? We've been talking about this for months, right? And people just let go of their frustration. Why are you wasting my time then? So we have to get rid of all the nonsense. But I'm gonna go back to the word objection, right? So this is to me a sales word. And most people look at it as something I have to overcome. And I'm gonna to ask to think about it differently. And I think it was Anthony Anarino and uh, his book, The Only Sales Guide You Ever Need. He talks about this as concerns. And who of us, you know, to me, it's all about mindset and sales in order to be successful. So who of us, when we're ready to make a big purchase, doesn't have a concern, right? Do we know we're getting the best deal? Right? Does this happen to you? Think about your last purchase, yeah,
3: Neil. we're always looking at. I, I, I'm thinking of a purchase right now I made, and 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 it's really, is this? Am I getting the the best deal? Yeah. And if you're not, and if you're not getting the best deal, you're going to shop around more. But some people will just buy on. So it just all depends on who the person is.
1: Yeah, and I. So it, these are very natural things, right? So. I just bought a uh, hot water heater recently, right? Uh, As fate would have it on a Friday afternoon, the hot water heater goes out and I called around and I get three quotes. So the natural thing to do is look at the ratings, right? Look at the ratings of the product. Look at the ratings of the providing dealer. You know, are they, when are they going to be able to fix it? And then you have to, at that moment, eventually have to make a trust or a judgment call. And so then when you do that, is there some doubt? Is there some lingering doubt before you say, yes, here's my credit card number. And even when you do the credit card number, there's still a measure of doubt. All of those are concerns. So they're very natural. And I think if we have the mindset of working with our prospect and client, that this is natural to have these concerns, then it helps us to come at it with a different angle, more about caring and helping versus overcoming.
3: And so you have to have tools available. If you're working for a company, if you're you're a business, you have to have the tools available in that process, right? When you're going and being on that initial sales call to the final sales call, you have to have the tools available to be a success as a sales rep, it sounds like, or even as an entrepreneur selling your services
1: exactly so like what's the classic objection what what comes to mind first for you i can't afford it right (laughs) okay yeah or uh your price is too high so first thing we say is well i'm not going to change again i'm talking about entrepreneurs the first thing you're going to say is i'm not going to change my price i mean that's where some will default to and they become defensive so we now in instead of becoming defensive and trying to overcome Let's discuss what is it about the price, right? And if you can help me to understand so I can be a better, you know, servant for you that I could, you know, come and help, help me understand. And you have that mindset. What is it about the price? And people surprisingly will give you the answer, right? If we ask the question relaxed, they will tell us if we have any kind of relationship with them. What's your thought?
3: Well, so, so I would know that. See, this is a great thing when you said objection, Harry, I didn't think of that. And then we should create a list of that should be available. Definitely down the line on uh, the podcast with extra additional things about sales objections, because this is not available because as, as, as an entrepreneur or even or a sales rep, and I've worn both hats. I've sold, yeah. I've even sold network marketing. The object, the first objection is price. So if you're selling a real high level package that, man, I love this big screen television or man, I <laughs> would absolutely love this Rolls Royce, right? Yeah. But then the price is the first objection. How do you overcome a price objection, especially when they're looking for the best price? You talked about it with the hot water heater, Harry.
1: Yeah. So the, the, I try to go back again, put myself in their shoes. And I think about when was the last time I bought purely on price and I can't even think of something I bought purely on price because it's junk, right? So if we look at whatever the commodity is, you can buy a flat screen TV. Let's just take that example. Let's just say a 60 inch flat screen TV and you'll look at different companies. You might look at Samsung, you might look at Sony, um, not variety, The V one. The name escapes me. So you may take those top three, and then out of the blue, you know, you're at Best Buy and you see this bizarre name, and you say, "Wow, that's half the price." Is that worth it? Right? Are you going to risk the reliability factor, the fact that there's a known name, a reputation? to go with something that's brand new, you'd never even heard of until you saw the name and said, hmm, I'm gonna go with that because it's cheaper. Well, sometimes we might be forced to it, but a lot of us are going to say, I'd rather have a smaller screen with a reliable company behind it than a no-name, right? So.
3: Exactly. And right. I, Isn't that what we do? So we buy in brands. So, for example, I'm going to buy a Mac for more expensive than a PC that, yeah, it's going to cost me less, but it's going to cost me more. And maintenance, uh, possibly being hacked, I mean, right. probably, um, you know, viruses and possibly losing every all my data versus I'm going to go with a proven source, which is a Mac, you know, or I'm going to have a really good PC versus I'm going to go buy this really non-proven PC just because I want to save money
1: exactly so if we can relate so stories sell and this is where people in sales or entrepreneurs need to be relatable because most buyers look at anyone selling as being completely out of the loop they don't know right they just think of you as a salesperson but if you now become relatable and say look i buy things too i shop around as well And I'm typically looking for great products, great support and great pricing. Isn't that the way you're kind of looking at this now and then get agreement. You're on the same side of the table instead of me against them. Right. And that starts the whole thing about when was the last time you bought the cheapest thing. And I can tell you an example when I did, and I was very disappointed that my flat screen TV didn't even last a year. Right or something like that
3: or anything any type of product from yeah. sho- these shoes to something else that's a proven chosen brand so that's yeah. a great conversation so when they overcome price and they just can't afford it are you going to lower your price or are you going to compromise with the price especially if you're a product or service that you how do you do that too so we talk first about the price of comparison so do you compare your, your competitors and what they're given prices when you're selling a product or service yeah.
1: So a great question. And I think that's a, uh, you know, that's a, a pretty wide range that can be discussed, but I mean, so for instance, if you're selling a commodity that has a fixed price, for instance, let's just go with, uh, the cars, you're selling Honda Accords. Someone comes in and says, well, I've got this, uh, Hyundai Elantra. Uh, the price is much lower. Well, you can't yes. compare the Honda Accord. And I think the Hyundai El- Elantra, if that's a model, But I've seen them on the road. I'm pretty sure it is. They're not going to compare in price. So what can you do if you're selling the Honda? You can't sell the Accord at the same price, but can you lower the model? Can you reduce the model, right? A notch or two down so you can compete? Is that an option? And sometimes you could do that with if someone is when you're asking again about, well, help me understand what you're looking at. And they'll say, well, I'm looking at this. And you say, well, and then be as specific as you can be and just see where they can compare and where there are differences. And say, look, I can't give you this for that amount, but I can do, right? And then you now have this conversation. How would that work for you? Or how would that look? Or something like that. Quality
3: versus quantity. So for example, you're gonna have a quality product for less a little bit of the services so you want to find out from that person who prices around what are you looking to pay for that price what are you really getting at the end of the day and what's going to be that rate of return that's a conversation so harry how do you identify that so it looks like we're talking about the word overcoming sales objections who knows we might be having two shows on this because i think we might be covering a part two on this because this, <laughs> this is it's... the heck out of me because I who've been in sales 20 years, but as an entrepreneur, haven't thought about those things in the process. Then somebody says, you know, I really can't afford this. Well, what are you looking to afford? Then you create the package that might not, you still will make the same amount of profits, but you're packaging it together to say, well, yeah, you're, you're going to go get social media management. This is what this company does. So understanding competition, understanding what somebody else is going to give, is an important part of this process. So you really have to be patient as a sales rep, right? You have to be patient as an entrepreneur when you're in these conversations saying, yeah, you're going to get a press release for X amount of dollars, but your competitors promising this, but this is really what the delivery is going to be. Without that, yeah. but more just saying, this is what the deliverable is going to be. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, so the the concept here, I think, is that, are first of all, are we playing with the fish in the right pond right so if someone has never done what you do and they're buying it for the first time are there expectations even in the game right is are, is something that you sell for a thousand dollars what they expect or are they thinking this is a hundred dollars right so that goes with i mean it's real easy to shop for a car or tv or a hot water heater for that matter But if you're providing some kind of consulting or service for a business or a person, do they have a clue? And is there something that you can drop? Yeah, I'm sorry. Is there something that you can drop in there that kind of gives them a clue as to what's coming so that when there is price mentioned, it's not complete sticker shock? I mean, what's your thought on that, Neil?
3: Yeah, exactly. So let's give you an example. So a product like Um, a GoDaddy that's going to provide this service. We're going to go to a hosting provider for our website. Like GoDaddy. It's more expensive, but the customer service is far better. You're talking to web developers. You're talking to people that understand the industry. You're talking to somebody who's just a customer service rep. So you really, I think research is a big part of this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You need to know your competitors, but you also need to, to listen to your customer to see what they mean in competition. Right. So let me give you an example. I'm going to go buy a logo from Fiverr. Okay. The, and gonna <laughs> cost me 20 bucks for a logo versus a hundred. Yep. Well, how long are you going to be on with that? And tell me about that journey. And I know you're pricing this. And you don't want this. You want this logo for $20. Do you know what you're going to have to go through? So it's the job as a sales rep or an entrepreneur then Harry. They need to do research. So I think research is a very big part of it, right? Whatever product or service in the tool that your job as a sales rep is your company needs to provide this, or you're going to have to do extra time and ask questions, but when you're the entrepreneur, you better know your competition or at least know the different quality of competition out there. What do you recommend to that thing? Is that what you're talking about? You, you have to be so knowledgeable. And I saw I'm reading your book. I saw that. Selling with Dignity, that you had a chapter talking about how, how important research is and how much is important to understand your product service, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, you know, answer to answer the question, I think is that if, as an entrepreneur, let's just say, I mean, I know quite a few people that do IT services. And so a buyer, for instance, may not want to commit to someone managing their network because... They're going to look at that outlay of money and say, wow, that's a lot of money. Well, if they don't think through that and say, okay, so what would happen to my business if I was hacked and I was held ransom, so to speak, held for ransom, right?
3: right? Some horror stories about that, Harry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, what are the costs of that? I mean, it could be tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. What happens if you lose your, you know, your data, you know, how much is that? And so a lot of times people who are not educated will go through, well, I don't want to spend that. I'm just going to go break fix. And the whole break fix does not protect them. If something bad were to happen, prevents bad things from happening. So understanding that, and if your buyer does not get it, then you're probably speaking to the wrong prospect. Right? It's really difficult to convince people that they have a problem if they don't see the problem. And so now they're going to throw all kinds of concerns right at us because they're really not in the market. Right, They're just arguing and you're, they're trying to prove their case that they're okay by doing the same thing over and over again. My advice would be is to find a candidate who is Already recognizes there's a problem and is looking for a solution, and they're much easier to work with. And typically, right, and the concerns are legit. But at the end of the day, you know you're going to have a buyer versus someone you may win the argument and lose the battle, so to speak.
3: So that's when you walk away, like in you know Kenny Rogers, know when the fold. Right. Yeah. Know when the fold. Right. Walk away.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're not evangelists. I mean, no. there's there's a lot of evangelizing you can do, but that's really not the goal.
3: Exactly. Right. So overcoming that sales of the, the, the objection versus price, and we could go into more detail, but I think knowing your products and service and also knowing your competition and what they're getting for their buck and asking the right questions can sift through that price objection. What's another objection after price?
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to go just a step further on that. Is that on the whole thing about price? Is that we should be talking about why they need to do this and what it is if they, what will happen if they don't do it, right? So when you're leading up, I'm going to use very round numbers, but say your solution product whatever is a thousand dollars a month. Well. You can't just say it's $1,000 a month and then, you know, here it is without any kind of justification. And in your service, Neil, what is it that you provide, right? What do you show your prospects that they will get if they're going to pay $1,000 a month, right? There's going to be an ROI. There's going to be return on investment that that $1,000 a month investment is actually going to return much more than $1,000 a month in the long run. So that your service is really a cost of doing business, but will have rewards for it. And if we can get in that mindset, it's like, well, look, there's not a cost here, right? There is an outcome that's going to grow, help you grow your business. And that to me is where um, a lot of entrepreneurs are missing it because they're just gonna think of cost versus, yeah.
3: But see, they don't, because they sell a service, say, I sold the service and I move on, even as an entrepreneur, not thinking what the ROI, what is the benefit? They bought a service. Oh, I got trained. Well, did they use that training to do anything? And that's going to get your second customers. That's going to get your referrals. It's going to do different things. And we're in now the business of everything. Everyone's educating people yet. It's up to you to figure out the education versus... What's the ROI? You purchase a course for $10,000. And at the end of the day, did you turn that $10,000 into 20 or $30,000? Right. Yeah. Then what the heck did you do it for? So I love that fact. So you talk about pricing, but you also want to see the rate of return in that price conversation. This is what you do. If you're investing a thousand dollars, you're going to look at comparison, comparing your competitors, but also this ROI, if you go ahead, and get booked on this specific show or you're have this celebrity on your show, it's going to bring this amount of new revenue. Let me give you an example exactly. really quickly. I hired, yeah, it's good. I hired a company to book celebrities on my show and I could not look my business through three times as much at, of what I charge for services based on that celebrity focus. But you, I, when I chose this, didn't do this, I just, just buyer. I'm going to do it. I wanted to Mm -hmm. not knowing it was going to hit three times as much. Okay. And my, I was going to be worth this much more and charging for tutoring or charging for services based on my brand increasing because of who I got to interview. Well, you as an entrepreneur selling those services has to figure that out. So that's a great point. Let's go, I guess two objectives this time. Let's keep keep going. Again, we're on the sales made made easy podcast with Harry Spate author of selling with dignity and you need to check out the book. It's going to be available soon. We'll tell you when it is. There's going to be a huge coming up, but we're going to be launching this podcast before that. The question I have to ask you, Harry, is other, we're going to go to guess one more overcoming one other objection. I love the pricing one. I would never have thought that when you've taught today, you've given us a blueprint of things and homework assignments that we need to look at and reflect on, well, price is always the problem. Well, if you can overcome just this price objective, what's the next objection after price?
1: Uh, this is not a good time.
3: Not a good time?
1: Yeah. Th- no, no. I was just saying right now, Neil, I got to go. I got to run. No, I'm just kidding. Uh- <laughs>
3: <That> joke, <laughs> Little humor. Like, oh, wow. I never <laughs> had that on, a, on a producing a podcast. Okay. It's not a good time. Wow. It's not, it's I would not, not have thought that was the next objective. is not a good time. Yes.
1: Kidding? Well, I'm, I'm thinking it's a pretty good one. It's pretty common because I use it all the time. Uh, I tell people who are trying to sell me something, now now's not a good time. Why am I saying that, do you think?
3: Because I don't. That's why you're the sales
1: expert. <laughs> why do you say that? it? I bet you, you say it too.
3: Oh, no, I don't. I'm not yeah. that.
1: Oh, okay. All right. I say it because it's just I've got other things that... <laughs>
3: time but i don't get on the phone with them i don't even get in a decision when someone sends me that message i don't go yeah i don't have enough time you're polite i just don't answer it i don't uh yes okay get on a phone call so i can't say i don't have the time clubhouse was that thought process when steve olsher asked me the first time and i didn't tell him that i don't have the time but then the second time i finally said okay you sold me i'm going on but that was my objection i don't have enough time i don't tell people so let's say when you're on a sales call, somebody that said the word, I don't have enough time. What do you do to overcome that objection?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, you have to be empathetic, right? And it's like, uh, for instance, if you're on honest, you're trying to uh, set an appointment on the phone and someone says, I don't have the time for this. Then I just relax, take a breath and say, totally understand. When would be a good time to follow up? right? When they see that relaxed mindset that you have, you know, a lot of times they're not always going to give you a a chance, but they'll say in a week, next Tuesday, sometimes they'll give you an answer, right? So even on that scale, right? Where you're trying to just set appointments on the phone, just relax and understand. I'm not always available to take calls either. And I appreciate you taking a call. When would be a good time for me to call back? right? And then they tell you, you call back at that time. So that's a simple one. So then for instance, if you're in a uh, situation where you're trying to sell your product and they say, well, you know what, it's really not a good time for me right now. Say, I understand, right? You're, again, you're trying to get on their side of the table, not across from them. You've got to be relaxed, right? And then say, just, just for my own understanding, what, what goes through your mind when you say there's not enough time? What are you actually, what are you thinking about? And sometimes they'll say, well, there's just, there's just so much to do, right? That's a clue, right? That's a clue. If they say there's so much to do, we don't have to have an answer right there, right? Just digest it. Yeah. Say, I understand because they're in, again, what's their mindset? It's an emotional event that's going on you right want, now. You
3: want to, you want to ask them why there's not enough time. If, if you had that sales call with them and they just said, it's just not the time to really take on the service. You want to find out what that really means.
1: Yeah. If you can, but and I'm going to say, right. Is that we don't always have to have that answer at that particular moment. So for instance, people like myself, you know, I'm not like every buyer. But if I just told you I don't have enough time and I've kind of just gotten done with that, I don't necessarily want you coming back, digging and saying, well, what do you mean by that? Right. And I may come back and say, now is just not a good time. And that close it right. Close it like that as a buyer. So then the seller has a choice, right? The seller could just push again or relax and say, I get it right. And then just do the follow-up with uh, a follow-up call or a follow-up email and say something like along the lines, I totally understand. I want to express my appreciation for what you've done so far, how far along we've gotten. And then drop the, I had one additional thought. Are you open for a quick conversation or a quick chat? Right. So now what you've done, where, where do you think I'm going with that, Neil?
3: I mean, it's just really you're developing the relationship so that you can have a follow-up. And that yeah. could be three months, that could be six months, that could be nine months. And you don't know what that person's going through at this point. Exactly. And then you're not closing the door completely. You add them to your leads list and then go back at another time to go contact.
1: And then you're now catching them in where it's they're not defensive. Yes. Right. So you have this next conversation and you say, Look, this is what I was thinking. So an example might be someone says, Well, I can't I can't do anything until the first of the year. Right? So now it's it's whatever month it is, and you say, Well, there's several months left in a year, and that's the real objection. I can't overcome that. But you let it go and you say, Well, you could say, Well, I'll just be in touch in the first of the year. But instead you say, No, I totally understand. you know we'll follow up in a couple of months whatever and then instead you know you've got an idea not instead but you know you have an idea and you follow up in a couple of days again you're thanking them and say i've got a quick thought would you be available for a conversation and is there something you can do to bring them on to a program with no fees or something right so that there's now a entry or ramp up to a program or you know you offering some kind of credit or something right but you've just you got to give it some thought and if you come across too canned then it's like they've already said no what are the chances now that they're going to say yes right so it, on the first call if they say no blatantly i, I it's like throwing your pearls before swine don't come up with your best ideas right after they tell you no because you're probably going to hear no again right so just yeah
3: it as another follow-up later on when they say it's not a good enough, enough good to, but see, I never knew that I guess because you're a sales guy you've heard it so much you tell people it's not the right time so that you you used that polite because you've heard it so many times Harry
1: yeah and I you know so it's like it's not no forever right this is where or whenever people give you the concern it doesn't mean it's forever and it can't be resolved Right. So it's just take a breath and say, I'm going to I'm going to come back. Let me give that some thought, even by saying, you know what, that's a great one. Let me give that some thought, because if we have our canned response, I know a lot of sales leaders talk about you got to have a canned response. Well, a canned response may work for some, but it doesn't work for everybody. And you've got to take into consideration what the buyers like and how emotional it was for them to say, I can't do anything right now. So leave me alone. So then what are we going to do? try to overcome that.
3: So what are other sales objections for our next episode that we could talk about? Do you have more sales objections than those two?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple out there, but you know, another one is like, why is, uh, you know, your name isn't recognized. I could go with a bigger company. Right. Um, why would I want to work with Neil Haley? I mean, I could work with, uh, you know, pick the, uh, huge advertising marketing firm. Right. okay yeah okay so i mean what what do you say and so you've got your answers right
3: exactly but so then let's continue so what are their objectives are their objections of comparing you to another product or service yeah um yeah so could you list any more that you would say okay. or there, there's a ton that we could just figure them out
1: yeah of course i'm going to draw all kinds of blanks right now because you're putting me on the spot but yeah uh, so i mentioned price i mentioned so like how I mean, do you cover a wider area? It might be a local company and someone might be out of state and there might be concerns,
3: objectives, tailored objectives then yeah. based on the customer. And so I can think about it as well. So I look forward to overcoming yeah. sales objections part two, but right by that point in time, if people are already listened to two or three of your podcasts, they should have picked up the book so we're going to just say that right now can when are pre when can we finally so the best thing is to go ahead and dm you or something if the book yep. is not available yet but where they, where's the best place you want them to connect with you now so that they when pre-orders do start they can pre-order the book
1: linkedin baby
3: linkedin linkedin yeah right. yeah yep. Check him out on Twitter as well, Harry Spate, and yep. on Instagram. All those great places, and he's putting out some great quotes. But again, the podcast, and you have another podcast too, right? Where people yes, it's
1: uh, called Lead, Sell, Grow: The Human Experience. That's on all the major podcast channels as well.
3: Awesome. And salesman DC podcast will soon be yeah. available everywhere as this is our first episode, but I'm looking forward to chatting again for the second episode is we're going to overcome sales objections part two, but putting you on the spot, that's again, overcoming a sales objective. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Got to take a breath, I'll have right? To
3: go, I'll go ahead to go. I didn't think this, uh, the first one I would never have brought up because there's so many specific stories and I have a specific story about an objection that I would never have thought about. Like, I don't really need this. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We can come up with thousands of them, but we want to make it easy because this is the Sales Made Easy podcast, and Harry Spade has been able to come up with so many amazing things. As I read your book, and I don't read many people's book uh, books. I already read it already, and I love it. And I want to expand on questions because as salespeople, if you're an entrepreneur, you sell a product or service. You got to talk to Harry Spade. So DM him today because he does also provide coaching for groups and also individuals correct
1: absolutely we're here to help here to serve
3: connect them on linkedin i appreciate it harry and look forward to the next sales made easy podcast so take care
1: yeah i've got time for that
3: all right all right (laughs) podcast with harry take care guys
1: love it man sales is tough i'm just not cut out to be a salesperson have you ever felt that way selling doesn't need to be so difficult my name is Harry Spate. I'm here to serve and to help you succeed. Join me as we discuss sales made easy.
3: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show. I'm excited to welcome to Mike Velarde. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, great, Neil. How are you? Mike, you guys both wrote books and, or, or definitely speak about end of days. And right. I've known you guys for years. Mike has a certain direction. He's going that we're very close to end times while Rob has another perspective. So Rob, introduce yourself to the audience, Mike Villardi's audience. Then you and Mike are kind of going to go back and forth and where you're seeing certain things in the Bible. And also uh, through, especially looking at revelation. How are you? How, Rob Introduce How yourself. please.
4: Okay, yeah, hi. How you doing, guys? My name is Rob Roselli. My website is boxofsunglasses.com. It's all one word. That's boxofsunglasses.com, and that's in, in honor of my favorite movie. They live, and John Carpenter makes the movie, and Roddy Piper stars in it, and he finds the box of sunglasses, and all of a sudden he sees everything, and as as the world really is. And uh, that's basically it. I got several books that I've written, and we can go over those later, perhaps. And that's basically
3: the long and the short of it. Um, okay. Well, thanks, Rob. Okay. And Mike, for people that are going to listen to this in the National Syndication, because it's prophecy versus prophecy, tell what book you've written. And then we're going to go back and forth of what, where you guys are seeing the, the the things that are happening, why it's end of times, and then the connections to the Bible and your thoughts. Go, Mike.
5: Okay, well, certainly the reason it's end of time is twofold. One is uh, God's timepiece is Israel. And Jesus said when, when Israel comes together as a nation, that generation will see these prophetic things unfold. Well, that happened in May of 1948. Uh, according to Psalms 90, verse 10, a generation is 70 to 80 years. David wrote, a man's years will be three score and 10, less by reason of strength four score, which is 80 years. So when you add 80 years to, to uh, 1948, right? You come out with 2028 and we're in 2021. So we are close to fulfillment of these things.
3: All right. Very interesting to say the least. So let's kind of, uh, get this uh, started by um, first asking Rob a specific question based on why you feel the end of times you're on your end, Mike. I mean, Rob, go ahead, Rob.
4: Well, basically, I have no doubt in my mind that the United States is the mystery Babylon described in Revelation 17 and 18. And as I see the demise of the United States going on, and are making enemies all over the world, including our former allies as we speak, it seems to be fitting into the line by line breakdown I have on on those two chapters in Revelation. So um, my focus is on the United States and and Israel is in fact, you know, when the fig tree is yet tender, then then you should know these things will come to pass. That's out of the Olivet Discourse. The tree, of course, being Israel. So Israel is is an is an important timepiece. So that those two things together indicate to me that we're very close to the end right now, and and current events seem, certainly seem to bear that out as we're watching China and Russia move in on the United States and. United States, the debt bomb, the Federal Reserve System is about to implode, the banking system is about to implode, it's going to take the rest of the world down with it. So we're looking at economic catastrophe, natural disasters, and all this sort of a whole slew of other things going on. So that's basically where I'm coming from.
5: Well, well, the issue with that is you got to get to Revelation 17 and 18. The book of Revelation is structured in such a way that you get two perspectives from it. First is Revelation 4 through Revelation 11, which is the spiritual view. In other words, John was caught up to heaven and he saw all the things that are going to happen from heaven. Then you get to the earthly view, Revelation 12 through 20. Okay, now there's a lot of things that happen before you get to Revelation 17 and 18, all right? And before the Antichrist comes, he he's setting up the foundation for his kingdom, which is what you see. You see the demise of the United States, for that purpose. The Bible tells us he's going to be the little horn and then he's going to, um, you know, as the little horn, he's going to expand into those 10 other nations, which will be the European common market nations. So for them to become strong, we have to become weak. And we're watching the result of us getting away from the intention of our founding fathers. One of the things I always read when I was running for Congress was George Washington's speech And I'll read part of it now, so you can understand the foundation that the United States was founded on. In 1789, on October 3rd of 1789, George Washington said this before Congress, Thanksgiving Day 1789 by the President of the United States, a proclamation, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness have pretty much been destroyed. If this package gets passed in Congress, we will become almost a communist nation, okay? We forgot about God. When have you heard a president outside of Trump? I mean, Trump mentioned God numerous times, but a Joe Biden or a Democratic Congress doing the will of God? Absolutely not. I'm not so sure they're gonna get away with it. I think God is gonna do something miraculous to expose how Biden was fraudulently elected and to dwarf their plans. I don't think we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go down right now. I think that until the rapture happens, when God takes, you know, the saints, um, I, I just, I just don't believe that's going to happen, but we'll see. We'll certainly see because we are in the end times. God does have a plan. Um, We see it with the shot. The shot's a perfect example. They're, they're, they're in when they get got those little nanobodies and nanotechnology that it talks about, no one will be able to buy with the cell of the beast, is being in, implanted into your body. So, all the signs for end times are here, but I think people need to understand God has a character and he has a nature. And we see that character in nature back in Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? When, when the Lord came down and he spoke to Abram and he said, Shall we not tell Abram what we're going to do? And they told him about Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did Abram say? He said, God of all creation, not do right. Will he destroy the city for the sake of 50 righteous men? And the Lord said to him, For the sake of 50 righteous men, I'll spare the city. And Abram went down to 40, 30, 20, 10. Okay. Now, what happened was when the angels showed up, the only people they could find that were righteous in that city was Lot and his family. Okay. And even the women, the 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 the, the two men that were going to marry his daughters didn't believe him. And they stayed in the city. But when the angel said something interesting to Lot, he says, We can't do anything until you are safe. So God is going to make sure that he takes his people out. That's been his character and nature, protect them. And then when they're safe, that's when judgment comes. We saw it with Noah. The Bible tells us we're in it like, it'll be like in the times of Noah. Now, Noah was told a hundred years in advance, gave him plenty of time to build that ark, okay? And then when the ark was built, Noah and his family entered in. That's when the judgment came. That's when the rain came, okay? And the Bible tells us, that two will be sleeping. One in one, two in the bed will be sleeping. One will be taken. One will be left. Two will be in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. And we see, we see the rapture. God gives us, you know, the Bible said. Well, it's been said before. There's nothing new, you know, under the sun, right? Solomon said it, right? What's happening will happen again. And and God shows us in a in a in a very unique scripture, and it's only in the book of Matthew. And it's in in Matthew 27, verse 52. It's after Jesus Christ had just died on the cross. Three things happened. First, the temple veil was torn because the Jews said, let his blood be upon us. So God took his mercy from the Jews. Secondly, there was an earthquake that was so great that even the soldiers that crucified him said, surely this must be the son of God. And thirdly, it's written here, and and I'm gonna read it to you. And it says this, and the graves were opened And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Well, that's going to exactly going to happen at the rapture. Now what happened when Christ died and that's what started the church? Because what did those people do when they appeared to many? They said, Jesus, who died on the cross, right, is surely the son of God. And if you saw your dead grandmother or your dead grandfather come back to life, you will believe that, and as a result, a lot of people believed. So that event, I think, is more. It's only a couple of years off, but when that happens, then 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 the judgment comes.
3: Rob, what is your thoughts on that? In his interpretation?
4: Well, you're certainly thoroughly knowledgeable in the Bible, and I.